Welcome to the Heather Penny Podcast, where our goal is to help you reach your potential by increasing clarity, building confidence, and engaging courage. Heather is a leadership coach, trusted advisor, and admired author. I'm Christina Morales. I'm a writer and marketer, and Heather is my dear friend and confidant. And we have such amazing conversations that are so deep and meaty that we just felt that people needed to hear um, positive messages and so and have tools for um, addressing the things that are going on in this world right now. So Heather, thanks for letting me uh, start this podcast with you and to help so many people. Thank you, Christina. So I'm really excited about today's topic. It's the belief snowball. We're going to share about what to do when you feel stuck. We have all been there. We feel trapped in a job, or we'd rather sit on the couch and eat potato chips than go for a run. I mean, my both of my hands are in the air for that one. And we wonder, is this all there is to life? We just get stuck. So Heather, I'm so glad that you have tools to help us. Uh, there was one time in my life where I felt completely trapped in depression. And a lot of people, they don't want to talk about it. I mean, you're basically standing naked, sharing your emotions when you talk about depression. Um, For me personally, I was battling infertility for six years. I had chronic pain. Uh, I stopped working because I wanted to get pregnant and I felt so stuck. And I remember one day, just I was literally in a ball on my bathroom floor weeping and I was wondering, God, where are you? There, I was in the bottom of the pit and there was no speck of light. And I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling that way. We've all been in those pits curled, maybe not curled in the bathroom, but we've all been curled up in a pit wondering what's next. So Heather, how do you address someone who's in that situation? Well, the first thing I would say, you you said it yourself, how would you address someone? We're not made to do life alone. Mm -hmm. So part of uh, the deep heartache and the deep pain is being curled up on the bathroom floor alone, Mm, uh right? Part of the gift is someone curling up on the floor next to us (laughs) and sharing that pain. So I would say the first thing is find a trusted uh, friend, partner, coach, therapist, spouse, I don't care, fill in the blank of what it, what works for you in your life, but find that, that safe person to, to uh, stay in the journey with you and Uh walk with you in it. Um, The other thought I would say is there's no shame in needing help, needing support. Many of us don't want to reach out because we're too mortified about the fact we are curled up on the bathroom floor. Uh And it's not something you want to shout from the hilltops. It's not something you want on the front page of the newspaper, you know? I think it's this awareness of letting yourself reach out and have some of those key people to reach out. As a professional, I would be one of those people that they would reach out and I would say, it's all gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not even gonna pretend to know the answers to your life, but I'm going to stay in it so that we can get up off the floor, we can move out into our world, we can start taking one step after another step and I'll stay in the journey till one day you're flying again. Mm-hmm. And I believe not just in that potential flying, but I do believe in the process of the journey. I think it would be very cruel for me to walk into that bathroom and start mm-hmm. yelling, get up, go fly. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> right. Come on, you can fly. That, that is not the moment for affirmations. 
<laughs> right, right. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of your story, but I've been in the same position mm-hmm. where I've had the right people step in and say, um, they'd curl up next to me and, and they help get me through it. And I've had the wrong people who mm-hmm. think that if they say the perfect um, affirmation or prayer or action, that I should just be immediately healed <laughs> because mm-hmm. our pain can make other people uncomfortable. So being comfortable with the pain and choosing people to be comfortable in it with you. So you're being comfortable with the pain, but this is where we can get stuck, right? Those mm-hmm. of us who say, yeah, I'm a person who lives in pain. We have this agreement inside of ourselves that we are a person who lives with pain and depression and sadness. That can get us stuck. What we want to do is honor the pain, but hold the hope at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's a tricky tension to hold because when you're in the middle of pain and depression, anxiety, and um, I've experienced all of those, I just need a thread of hope, just a thread, you right. know? But I don't think I can handle a wave of hope quite yet. <laughs> or a blanket of hope, I should say, using the same metaphor. That's good. Yeah. Um, it's just one thread after another until I can weave my blanket of hope again and wrap it around me. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Like, um, my husband Vince is incredible. And I would, at night I would just cry in my bed and he would just wrap himself around me. And it was a hard time, but I'm so grateful for it because our marriage was so strong after that and continues to be in all the trials that come after because we went through that valley together and we have that camaraderie and that devotion through that time and so it was awful and I never want to go through it again but I'm glad I went through the journey because you come out stronger it's yeah uh, yeah it's the refining fire we come out stronger um what did you learn going through your valleys well I was probably I've gone through several valleys you know that's the big myth that we have one valley (laughs) Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. It's more of the shock and awe of the first valley. But that's where we learn the coping skills to say, Mm -hmm. when the next valley comes, not if, but when, Mm -hmm. I now know what to do. I know who to reach out to. I know how to comfort myself. I know how to shut down the shame and the guilt. I know how to slow down life. And these were things that I had to learn. It was more in my 20s where I was hit pretty hard with uh, some strong depression and anxiety. And I honestly did not know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a sweet, dear husband. And I was married for five years and he too is one of my dearest, bestest friends. And he didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those times where I'm like, I think I need professional help. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I had, I had to struggle with that because I felt so much shame in that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, am I turning into this really needy, broken person? No, that was a a false belief that I'm a needy, depressed, broken person. And that's what I was grappling with. And that's where I started learning more of these terms, false belief and true beliefs. And I realized Mm. the true belief is I'm in a lot of pain and I'm trying to get my hope and my joy and my freedom back. Mm -hmm. And I get to have the help to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think once I started holding more onto that true belief, that's when it started moving into yeah, I had weekly conversations with an amazing therapist. Mm-hmm. I got to develop some new coping skills. But really what I was learning was how to address a deep valley in my life. Mm-hmm. So when other things happen, like my father dying or um, a significant fail in my business, you know, whatever these deep pains are that can really bring on that sense of uh, shame or really blowing it in life or 
um, an unanticipated crisis or loss that can just derail us and we have no control over it. Mm -hmm. uh, I learned some key things. Check your beliefs, mm -hmm. push out those false beliefs, grab onto your true beliefs, um, reach out to key people that can help you hold those true beliefs and push out those false beliefs. Mm -hmm. And honestly, slow way down in life. You know, mm -hmm. I have to picture myself kind of shifting down from fifth gear to first gear. Mm -hmm. And what do you do during those slowdowns? How do you heal? Yeah, I schedule less. Um, I block out days, sometimes weeks. Um, I sleep in <laughs> little things. I wow. let myself take naps. I'm not a huge napper, but, um, I try and create a different rhythm for my living. Okay. I surround myself with a tremendous amount of beauty. Beauty is very soothing and healing. I surround myself with a lot of nature. Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's a, maybe a gray time of the year. I live in Northern Cal. Sometimes we have these gray days, you know, I just make mm -hmm. sure I have some beautiful greenery around me or I just get out under the sky. There's little things I do to make sure that I'm staying present to my world and what is helping me foster a gentler way of living. Mm -hmm. and the world can be very harsh. I see people be very harsh to themselves yeah. and like to participate in this. Let's just be not just kinder to ourselves, but let's just be gentler. Mm -hmm. When we've gotten some hits in life, uh, there's one client that's coming to my mind and she came to me and she's like, well, it's been a week and I can't seem to get over my husband dying. I was like, <laughs> a week. Yeah, a week. Yeah, but this is what I do with these amazing overachievers. And I go, oh, well, hang on. First, I have to appeal to the logic, which is the research shows that it's kind of a process. And yeah. I'll tell you my experience, it's closer to two years. Yeah. But you're not in the same dark hole. It gets better with each day, but you just have to slow it down. I liken it to kind of a gray world that starts gently getting the color back. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we have a, a real awareness for how to honor the, the pain in our life. And some, and it's even harder if we don't have a word for it. And that's what I was dealing with in some of my darkest hours was I didn't have one thing to point at. I had just been living too hard, too harshly, too long, too fast. And my, my heart had just kind of gotten beat up and I hadn't really paid attention much to it. I just kept saying, get on board. Come on, hurry up. Don't worry about that. Keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Long answer to your question, Christina. No, no, I want the, we want the depth of it. We want the reality because like you said, it's not just get over it. Okay, it's this long process, which is going to take a long answer and a long time yeah. to really feel everything and to acknowledge our feelings and say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is why, this is the cause of it. Now, how do I address it? Or if you just, like you said, if you gloss over it and you keep moving forward, that root is still there like a weed and it's going to mm -hmm. contaminate your life. Yeah. So, do you think men and women process depression differently? That's a good question. I used to think they did mm -hmm. until I started with my work. And I have some of the most sensitive male clients that have mm -hmm. taught me so much about keeping my heart integrated. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the myths that I'm beginning to push against in our society is that women are more sensitive than men. 
Mm-hmm. And I think even just raising a, a son and a daughter, I have not seen that to be true. Really? I think that, yeah, I think they're both, they're both equally sensitive, but they're sensitive in different ways and they emote it differently. Mm-hmm. And so I see this a lot with male and, and female clients. And I feel like sometimes I wonder if the males aren't showing me their emotions because they've been told they're not supposed to. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I get them behind the scenes, more quiet one-on-one, I'll hear their heartbreak. They are, they're sobbing. They're crying about different things that really hurt, or maybe they're not even crying, but that doesn't make their pain any less stronger than what the woman is might be going through she just has maybe learned to emote it more or she lives in a world that lets her emote it more mm-hmm. and he's been told he can't cry or he just doesn't access the emotions quite as quickly either way it's been very fascinating to me to honor the human journey and watch people deal with their grief and their shame and their pain and to try and give them the permission to to honor it and to slow down enough to honor it and to just be that quiet presence that says, this is very hard. It's very painful. There's no quick fix, but you're going to be okay. And I'll stay with it, you know, with you in it. And and then I try and really ask what, what do you want and what do you need right now? I try and feel that out. Some people really want the help to move forward. Mm -hmm. Like, please help me move forward. And other people are like, could you just sit here and cry with me and give me Mm -hmm. a blanket, you know? And I I think I just try and be sensitive to that so that I can honor where they're at and let them know that they're not alone in it. And yet as a coach, my job is to always help them move forward. There's a reason they're coming to me. They want to move forward. Mm -hmm. It's just how they move forward and how we do it with the most amount of grace and mercy and kindness and gentleness. This is what I'm always looking for. Mm -hmm. And so part of the process is talking it out is it journaling is it painting like how do we what can we physically do to move forward and to keep the progression well yeah i think one of the things that i've seen this comes out in the research is is when we get engaged the right side of our brain we can heal faster so i'm all about hey let's (laughs) let's get that right side engaged and i'll be honest that's what i've experienced so when I was really you know, struggling with my depression and anxiety 20 plus years ago, it was me starting to do art. And I never even did art before. I didn't even know as an artist. You can kind of see it in that frame there is that painting. That was one of the first paintings I did. And it now hangs in every office that I work in just because it reminds me of where I've come from. And it's a kindness and a gentleness that I was really trying to give myself and to honor was also reaching out to to God in a way that I needed to find a conversation that I wasn't I'd never had with him or her mm-hmm. and so kind of stepping into that that space was really powerful for me and I look at fast forwarding now and I go oh if I can engage the right side of the brain it could be sitting down 10 minutes of doodling mm-hmm. it could be um reading someone else's uh, poetry, because that's kind of a right side of the brain. It could be listening to music, a song. That's also another way we engage the right side of the brain. I really encourage people to do that. 
-hmm. Oftentimes people go, oh, I'm not an artist. I don't want to draw. And I go, that's fine. Just sit there and color and doodle something. I don't want to sit still. That's fine. Listen to a song and go on a run. I don't care. There's so many ways to do it. I've even had people tell me going, well, no, I don't have a right. I'm not right side brain. You know, I don't have that creative side of my brain. And I go, yes, we all have two lobes. (laughs) Whether you want to admit it or not, we do. And how you engage it gets to be your choice and your journey. Mm-hmm. But to deny that it's there is only going to cost your grief and your pain much longer. So I think that's the first thing. I just always try and help people to find how they engage that right side of the brain because it's mm-hmm. it's almost like our blankie or our pacifier as an adult. It just soothes us immediately. And you'll notice that if you listen to a song or if you mm-hmm. um, sit there and, and do coloring or just, I call it Zen doodling too. There's a whole process out there. You can do so many different things, sewing, knitting, anything like that. But anything you're kind of just moving into the right side of your brain allows you to just start feeling more at peace inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, right now we're in COVID-19. We're in shelter in place. And a lot of people are just feeling stuck. So what, do you, what advice would you give to people who are sheltering in place? And there's a lot of craziness right now. Yeah, I think it's more important to create the cocoon around you. You know, Mm -hmm. I encourage people, create your nest. It's a term I use quite a bit. Uh, Create your incubator (laughs) and invite your, your beautiful people in your life into that space, whether it's physically or metaphorically. We're very particular, even just who we allow in our home. Mm -hmm. We want, when we, when we bring people into our space, if it's physically, we are inviting them into our nest, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So we take that really seriously and I encourage people, take your nest seriously, take your space, your physical space around you uh, seriously. Take your emotional space around you seriously. Do you want to invite people into more hatred or more love? Do you Mm -hmm. want to invite them into more fear and anxiety or more peace? and uh, rest i think learning that you can kind of carry your world around with you (laughs) is very powerful awareness that many people do not live with and so as we shelter in place i think it's a really cool opportunity to honor your nest around you honor where you're living and where you're staying and how you're inviting people into that whether it's through um, social media or whether it's through um, any other virtual platforms or whether it's actually physically bringing them into your space, be more intentional about that. Enjoy that space and create your space. Maybe for the first time, I have some clients who for the first time, because they're being forced to work at home, they're like, I want a meditation room. I want an art room. Mm -hmm. I never did clean out my closet. I want to get that cleaned out all sorts of stuff is starting to happen as I encourage people look at your space. It could be really practical, like clean out your sock drawer. It could be really um, beautiful or different or unique, like create a little meditation corner. Mm-hmm. It's so different for every person. I always want to honor what is it that you need in order to find your peace in your space and really start creating your nest. And as we do it physically, it starts also happening emotionally. And we go more to the heart. What is it that you're you're bringing into your heart. Are you bringing in more relationships that support and cultivate mm-hmm. a world of hope and peace and love? Or are you bringing in more relationships that are bringing in more anxiety, fear, 
because both are contagious. Mm -hmm. So you want to start growing that. And as we've slowed down and shelter in place, it's a time to start being really intentional about that. Mm -hmm. There's also so many people hurting out there and children hurting and, and dysfunctional families that are being forced to live together. And some of them are doing well and some of them are not doing so well. Um, I try and be sensitive to those as I reach out to some other families that are struggling, have not had the tools to be able to really live together well. And I just want to offer them love and grace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's no judgment this time. You know, I think the mm -hmm. more we can stay away from judgment and condemnation, the more we have this opportunity to actually raise each other up. We're slowing right. down long enough. Again, another long answer to that question, but it's something that I'm really seeing around me and it's just happening day after day after day. Yeah, I think it's so good because we need permission to say who comes into my heart, who comes in through my computer, who comes into my door, because it seems like we have to be accepting and loving. And if someone has their quirks, oh, that's them, but I still have to accept them. And it's okay to protect ourselves. It's okay to say, no, this is not healthy for me right now. And we need I don't know why, but it feels like we need permission to protect our heart and not serve everybody and put everybody else first. Sometimes it's okay to put ourselves first. Yes. And I appreciate you saying that. So yeah. thank you. Sure. Yeah, we get caught up in the different silly arguments like to wear masks or not to wear masks. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have an opinion on that. I have an opinion on what feels right for that moment and for this space and for this people and for this group, what would cultivate more peace, more love, more kindness? Mm -hmm. <laughs> asking those questions and not feel this over concern about having to make a point or stand on a hill. We've lost some of our humanity when we yeah, start we're looking at issues and we're not looking at people anymore. Bingo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if it, it makes you feel safer for me to have a mask on, I will do that out of love and care for humanity. Mm -hmm. And it's less about, you know, standing on this hill of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So I think the more we start remembering that we are, we're all have this ability to have more humaneness toward one another and focus on really the humaneness of that. It starts being a part of creating nests that are, are beautiful all around the world <laughs> that mm -hmm. we're inviting people into. But if we're inviting people into condemnation, judgment, and shame on you for not doing something a certain mm -hmm. way, we're creating these very dark holes around our world that is not letting people develop and grow and feel safe in a time of so much fear. Right. They're in the pit and we're letting them stay in the pit. It's almost like we're putting covers on top or putting uh, soil or rocks on it, keeping them in the pit. Yeah. And where did the term belief snowball come in? What, is, what do you mean by that? Well, it's actually a chapter in my book, my new book that's coming out pretty soon. And, and I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> but it's this idea that one belief can lead to another. Okay. So um, I'll start with a negative belief, a false belief, then I'll give you yeah. a true belief. But a false belief was, would be, oh, I, I'm not enough. I can't do this. And if I'm in the middle of trying to switch jobs and move into a whole new career, that belief is going to snowball where then I don't want, think I can do well in the interview. Then I don't think I can uh, show up and actually apply for the right job. Yeah. Then I don't think I, you see how it goes? Totally. And, notice, and here's one thing that's this, really the challenge. The more creative you are and the smarter you are, 
the more it can work against you. <laughs> I always tell my really smart clients, I'm like, I'm so sorry, but your IQ is now working against you because uh -huh. your ball just morphed into about 10 really false beliefs in a matter of 10 seconds, you know? And the, the encouraging thing though, is we can do the same thing with our true beliefs. Mm, I do so have good. what it takes. I don't know which job yet. I will just get out there and start um, celebrating myself for being brave. If I bomb an interview, it's okay. There's another one waiting for me. You see how that then starts moving and it all starts with a true belief or a false belief. Yes. It's uh -huh. basic as I, I can't make a change to, I can dare to be brave. Uh -huh. That's so good. Well, that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. You're Please, so welcome. Please subscribe to Heather Penny Podcast. And for questions, comments, and resources, please visit heatherpenny.com. Remember, to live your best life, you have to live intentionally. Have a great day, and we can't wait for you to join us next week. Thank you, Heather. Thank you all. Take care.